This is episode 408 of the AWS podcast, released on November 15, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Lishy here with you. Great to have you back, and I'm joined by a special guest. I'm joined by Eli Khan, all the way from New York City. Welcome to the podcast, Eli. Thank you. Thanks for having me. A pleasure to have you on here. Now, you are a principal product manager in the area of security, and today we're going to talk about something that is important to absolutely everyone, which is security, and in particular, we're going to talk about the AWS Security Hub. So maybe, uh, Eli, tell us a little bit about yourself and and why you get to talk with customers about this particular solution and uh, where this fits into the overall world of a security portfolio for an enterprise. Sounds good, yeah. So I've been in the security space for a while now. Uh, I started off my career in the US federal government and I did cybersecurity strategy and policy uh, first at the Department of Homeland Security and then at the White House National Security Council as director for cybersecurity. And uh, went off and started a company called Squirrel that did cyber threat hunting and threat analytics. Uh, Amazon AWS actually acquired Squirrel back in January of 2018 uh, and is now Amazon Detective. But soon after the acquisition, uh, I broke off from that team and helped launch AWS Security Hub. So I've been doing that for the now the last two years almost. Well, it's a, a good track record. So you've kind of uh, been out in the trenches, as it were, and uh, you, you're a builder trying to build to solve problems that exist for lots of folks. Yeah, absolutely. So certainly been uh, more on the practitioner user side of things, uh, have built a company outside of AWS and now building a service inside of AWS, which is uh, just as just as fun as building your own company, actually. <laughs> this is true. And so tell us about AWS Security Hub. Yeah, so AWS Security Hub launched in preview at reInvent in 2018 and then launched as generally available at reInforce last year. So last June, just about a year ago now. And a security hub is designed to be AWS customers security and compliance center. And in that sense, we really help customers answer the questions, am I secure in AWS? And what can I do to improve my security? And we do that via a couple of different primary capabilities. Uh, First, we do automated security checks. So we look across your various AWS services and resources that you're using and do automated checks that really assess your security hygiene. So have you configured those services and resources correctly? And then we're also aggregating your various security alerts or findings as we call them from different AWS services like GuardDuty, Inspector, Macy, and also from about four dozen different external third-party security products. So CrowdStrike, Checkpoint, Palo Alto, et cetera, they're all sending their alerts or findings to Security Hub. So with Security Hub, you have this centralized place uh, to get all of your security and compliance information, both from those integrations and also from those native security checks. And then we help you operationalize those findings by integrating with CloudWatch events or EventBridge and letting you build out automated response or remediation actions associated with those issues. 
It's really interesting watching how this domain has evolved because we've really moved into this world where we can we can set policy but also we can respond to vulnerabilities and other issues in an automated way, which means we can reduce our exposure time, which is super exciting. I think one of the, the many exciting things about the cloud is, is we can do that. But it's kind of opens up a new challenge for people, which is, well, what are the rules I should have? How do I know I'm I'm running best practices, et cetera? It's like now I've got all these these tools what do I do? And, and so the, the team has come up with something that, that might fit the bill. Yeah. Yeah. The automated response remediation is really interesting in that customers are going through a maturation process. You know, when you initially set up security hub, usually you're not doing that automated response remediation day one. Usually you're sort of figuring out these uh, alerts that are being generated from our automated security checks or from any of our integrations, uh, usually integrating secure up initially with your ticketing systems, maybe your chat systems. If you have a security information event management tool, oftentimes integrating security up with those. And then as you're getting more comfortable with understanding what those alerts and findings are, then start building out automated response remediation actions, usually with simpler cases first, like as an example, CloudTrail logging being turned off. Folks know that's always a bad thing. There's very <laughs> nothing good, can, nothing good can come of that. <laughs> exactly. That's usually one of the first thing people will start automatically remediating. So CloudTrail logging is turned off, automatically turn it back on, automatically resolve that finding in Security Hub, and usually send out an SNS notification that, hey, security team, we took this action, it was performed by this principal at this time, it's now fixed. And then as you start getting more and more mature, then you can start taking on more and more types of findings and, and building out the automated response remediation. Um, actually, one of our customers, Goldman Sachs, just publicly presented on this today at the CloudSec conference, uh, which was streamed live on Twitch. And uh, they talked today about how they're using Security Hub as the centerpiece of their security architecture, and they've built out uh, dozens of automated response or remediation functions using Lambda functions and step functions uh, to remediate findings emitted by Security Hub. And then there's still a handful of findings that they're just not comfortable responding or remediating to in an automated way maybe because it's, those are associated with one of their sensitive production accounts and they don't want to do too much automated remediation there, or perhaps it's just with a particular type of finding that needs deeper investigation. They're shipping those findings off to their security information event management tool for their analysts to look at, but they're really reducing as much noise as possible and trying to respond to as much as possible in an automated way. And so how do people know what good looks like and, and what's a, what, what have we done in the standards world to try and create a, a view of good? Yeah, so Security App supports a number of different types of security standards. Um, so we have support for regulatory standards like the payment card industry data security standards. So we have a set of automated checks that are aligned to various uh, PCI DSS, payment card industry uh, data security standard. Uh, we have other standards that are more industry frameworks, such as the Center for Internet Security's AWS Foundations benchmark. We have a set of automated checks that align to each of the 
42 requirements in that standard, but we're now also producing our own security standard. And we call that the AWS Foundational Security Best Practices Standard. So this is a standard that right now consists of 31 automated checks, uh, but it's going to continue growing month over month. And are the security checks, AKA controls, as we refer to them, that have gone through a bunch of review with different folks across AWS, both the service teams, uh, a committee of security experts, and these are the most important control, security controls or, or security best practices that we believe every customer should be running in each of their accounts. And what are an example of some of those controls? Like give us a flavor of, of what types of things are, are being controlled and, and how security teams could benefit from having this standard. Yeah. So some of the controls are around things like making sure that certain types of resources are not public. Uh, so for example, uh, making sure that your RDS snapshots are private or making sure that S3 block public access setting is enabled. Um, some, of the, some of the controls are security best practices are more about making sure you're using other AWS security tooling that we know is that works really well. Like, so for example, one of the controls is making sure guard duty is enabled in all of your accounts. Guard duty produces uh, low noise, highly accurate threat detections. It's just a good practice to make sure that that's on in each of your accounts. So, you know, really what we're doing with the, the foundational security best practice standard right now is we're working through each of our major AWS services, formally defining the security best practices for those services, uh, working with the service teams and a committee of security experts to review those security best practices. And then each month now, uh, as those uh, automated checks get approved, we are deploying them out into our foundational security best practices standard. And so customers that have already enabled that standard in a particular account will start automatically getting more and more controls as they've gone through this vetting and development process. So this is a form of active security in that we're, we're surveying what, what good looks like, but we're also taking in inputs from things we're seeing in the field and things we're seeing in the general security domain. And by expressing yeah. them as these rules, we can then prevent them in a broader sense. Exactly. Um, although I'd put a slight tweak on that, really what we're doing here is less about prevention and more about accurate detection and if you want uh, fast remediation for things that we do detect. Uh, mm -hmm. On the prevention side, there actually is another service uh, called Control Tower. And Control Tower has uh, a, a set of mandatory and highly recommended guardrails. Uh, the guardrails under the covers are actually uh, service control policies. And those are really about prevention. Those prevent certain actions from ever happening in an account. So you could actually have uh, a preventative guardrail and a security hub detective control for the same general concept. And I would, I would argue that they're mutually reinforcing that uh, the detective control helps you be confident that the preventative 
guardrail is in place and still working properly. Like, so as an example, you could have a service control policy saying that, you know, S3 buckets can never be made public. And with that service control policy or preventive guardrail in place, a, a, a user in that account should never be able to uh, make those S3 buckets public, but you could also have a detective control and security hub as a reinforcement mechanism to verify that that is indeed true. So it's kind of like built some braces. Yeah, exactly. Like prevention detection, to me, those are mutually reinforcing concepts, but they are a little bit different. But you know, to answer your, your original question, yes, we are taking a whole bunch of inputs in terms of defining these security best practices uh, in the automated checks associated with them. Some of those inputs include existing config rules. So we do use a lot of config, AWS config under the covers. One of the prerequisites for getting full value out of security up is that you do go in and turn on config recorder for, for your various resources. So we're using some existing config rules. We're also building new ones. Uh, we're also uh, looking at other AWS services like the AWS Well Architected Tool and Trusted Advisor, grabbing content from them. Uh, we're looking at the existing public AWS documentation. Some of our services actually have really nice security chapters that identify some security best practices. So we're grabbing those. Uh, and then, yeah, we're working with our larger security com uh, community and committee, which includes so special solution architects, pro-serve consultants that are working with customers on a daily basis, really understanding their detailed pain points. So really it's giving you a, a cent that centralized view of everything that's going on from a security standpoint, because I think w one of the things that, that customers have loved is that there are so many tools to help with, with security and compliance, et cetera. And then it got to the point of saying, well, now I need to bring it all together. <laughs> so this kind of lets you see it in one comfortable place. Exactly. Yeah, we're trying to distill a lot of information that's available in lots of different places and make it really easy to access and operationalize. So yeah, we're trying to do a lot of that heavy lifting for the customer to gather that information, also just gather knowledge uh, from lots of different sources and translate that into these security best practices. And so if I'm an enterprise, what are some, some enterprise use cases that, that Security Hub fits really well? There are actually several different ways in which customers are using Security Hub. So uh, the first use case that we see, uh, and this is actually the one that Goldman Sachs talked about uh, today during their uh, virtual conference, is where they're actually not using our console very much. Uh, so they're bringing in various findings or alerts from there are different sources from guard duty, Macy, inspector, firewall manager, config, uh, custom analytics that they're running. They're bringing that all into Security Hub. Uh, all that data is being normalized into a common data format called the AWS security finding format. And then instead of logging into our console on a daily basis, they've built out these various remediation, automated response remediation workflows. Those are running in the backgrounds and then they are routing anything that's left over to their security information event management tool, which is Splunk, and their on-call management system, uh, which is PagerDuty. So they're really using the Splunk and PagerDuty 
interfaces as their primary mechanisms for working the findings, you know, to give the analysts the ability to work the findings. Uh, but Security Hub is that centerpiece for aggregating all that information. I think that's an important point you've touched on there because I guess a lot of people are maybe sitting listening going, well, I've, I've got a seam in my environment. Where does Security Hub fit? Uh, it's not, yeah. it's, not uh, you know, it's, it's sort of a, a, a collaboration, if I can put it that way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We have many customers that use us in collaboration with the SIM. And the reason why they use us in collaboration with the SIM is, one, we're getting all that data into a single data format. Uh, so they don't have to do lots of parsing and normalization of the data in their SIM you know, that's, we're doing that all uh, through our upstream integrations with different finding providers that uh, are using our AWS security finding format. So that's one uh, benefit. A second benefit is they don't have to integrate their SIM with, you know, a dozen different security tools that are associated with their AWS environment. They can just integrate with Security Hub. Uh, so a simpler data collection process. And then thirdly, they're also getting these automated security checks that Security Hub is natively doing. So the security checks that we're doing associated with PCI or our CIS standard or our foundational security best practice standard, they're getting that into their SIM as well. Um, so yeah, we have lots of customers that are using us side by side with the SIM. They've already built out their workflows into their SIM and we're just really feeding into that. But we do have customers that haven't made an investment in a SIM. Maybe they're a smaller, medium size or medium-sized organization. They haven't forked out the uh, the big bucks for a SIM, uh, so they are logging in to Security Hub on a daily basis and using our console in a heavy way. Uh, so they're logging into Security Hub and looking at our charts and our finding tables, identifying what are the highest priority resources or findings to address that day and really using security almost like a mini sim but focused on their aws workloads and then the third use case that i think is really exciting is, is really uh the future of security especially related to aws issues and that is more oriented around DevSecOps style use cases so you know, one of the big trends that I'm seeing, especially with our uh, our most sophisticated customers, and in fact, with our own internal AWS security efforts, is that we're really decentralizing security so that it is the responsibility, not just of a central security team, like a security operations center, but that security operations center is really acting as a campaign manager, a router of information, and it is actually the account owners, the AWS account owners, the DevOps personas, the builders who are acting on the security and compliance issues associated with their accounts. So that's another way that folks are using Security Hub. They're giving the actual account owners access to Security Hub so that they can log, log in and take a more proactive stance and take more proactive responsibility for the security and compliance of their accounts. And that's and a really, that one's really exciting. Yeah, that's yeah. a really important point because we have had a few episodes in the past talking about DevSecOps and the fact that the earlier you can build in security into your decision-making and your development process, the better. And one of the key things around that is, is providing information, providing exposure to, again, what good looks like, 
what the current state is, how far away we are from it, what we can tweak to make it better. And this, this is a really neat way to just get it in the hands of the people who can make the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And we're starting to see some interesting use cases where you know, folks are using things like resource tags to identify their applications and the various services and resources associated with that application. And then they're building out safe searches and security hub associated with that resource tag so that you can easily see all of the issues associated with a single application, which is another view that uh, is hard to get right now unless you're using something like Security Hub. And one other thing I really like about the way Security Hub works is is the pricing, is that um, it's you know, a traditional pay for what you use, pay as you go, uh, but it has a 30-day free trial, which gives you all the full capability. But the other nice thing I like is that the free trial will actually give you an estimate of your monthly bill should you choose to continue. And just to give a flavour for our listeners of what, what a monthly bill might look like, there's a few different models that the team have done. And for a small to medium organisation looking at a grand total of 25 US cents per month, um, so I think we can cover that one. Um, a large organisations about $20 a month and even a, a very large organisation, so three regions, 200 accounts, 1,000 security checks per account per region per month, 50,000 findings uh, ingested per account per region per month, you're still looking at only uh, $1,320. So it's kind of one of those services that's worth turning on for at least the free trial to make sure that uh, A, you're getting the visibility you want to get, but B, understanding how little it costs to have really great security. Yeah, yeah. We've really designed Security Hub pricing so that it's a no-brainer <laughs> to turn on Security <laughs> Hub yeah. across all your accounts and across all the regions where you have authorized activity. You know, another trick to help keep your costs even further down is to use SCPs, service control policies, to restrict activity in regions that you're not using. So you really only need to turn on Security Hub in the regions where you should have authorized activity and then use SCPs to restrict activity in other regions. But yeah, in general, what we see, you know, uh, it's always a little bit tricky to work in averages because there's, there's certainly folks on either side of this average. But typically right now we're seeing folks spend a dollar or two per account per region per month. Um, so costs are low. Uh, we want to keep them that way. You know, from our perspective, it's a really a virtuous cycle in that the more that folks use Security Hub, the better their security will be, uh, which means that they are willing to move more sensitive workloads to AWS, uh, which allows us to invest further in Security Hub. So there's a nice little Amazon-style flywheel here around uh, AWS Security Hub. And plus, we also see it, frankly, as being... Uh, a great way for us to promote our other security services. You know, we know that's a, a best practice to use things like guard duty, and we're not going to shy away from, you know, point that out to folks in Security Hub. Well, I think I think one of the things we often talk about is how customers typically find the security posture improves when they move to AWS and move to the cloud. And, and the reason for that that I think is the sort of next level of detail is not just because anyone's waved a magic wand, it's because first you have the shared security model, which helps with a whole bunch of stuff, but also you have these really advanced and sophisticated tools available to you at low or no cost, depending on the service that you take advantage of. But to get that benefit, you've got to take advantage of it. And so I think that's where AWS Security Hub really helps you just keep it front of mind. 
Yeah, so we have a number of tenants for our security services like uh, Guard Duty and Security Hub and Macy, which just got relaunched uh, a few weeks ago. And we want them to be very low friction in that they really should be as close to one click as possible to get up and running and using it in an account. And that's that's actually what we've done with Security Hub. It is literally a single click to turn on Security Hub. We'll start running these security checks automatically. We'll start automatically ingesting findings from guard duty inspector, Macy, firewall manager, et cetera. And there's really very little work, which is a different paradigm for folks that have been in the security industry for a while. I mean, oftentimes folks are used to spending weeks or months, even sometimes up to a year after they've purchased a security product to get it properly configured and tuned so that it starts creating value. So yeah, it's it's a very different experience with our, with our security services, including Security Hub. Uh, you literally start getting value from them the minute you turn them on. Which I think it's pretty cool. I think that's a really important point, Eli. Too is that is that if you're listening to this podcast, you're an AWS user, and you haven't you know, met with your security folks, your chief information security officer, or whomever in your organization leads that function. It is important to sit with them and explain to them and show them. Like, you know, turn on Security Hub for an example and say, hey, look what we can do. Given this, what would you like to see? Because it, it, it turns it on its head. And certainly I'd love to hear your experiences here. Like, because in, in my experience, once we've shown SISOs, for example, what can be done, they're like, how can we make this normal for everything? Because this is what we've been talking about for years. And they, they become real, real advocates. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's sometimes some disbelief about. <laughs> uh, Surely it can't be that quick. <laughs> to turn this on. Uh, you know, and I will qualify it a bit. Uh, you know, we've made, we designed Security Hub so that it's simple enough where you can get value not only day one, but hour, hour one. Um, and it's simple enough where you don't need a big security team to administer it, monitor it. It's really designed so that a one-person security shop can use it and get a lot of value. Now, we also have, are working with some of uh, our largest AWS customers, some of the most, some of the customers with the most sophisticated security organizations, uh, probably outside anywhere beyond the, the NSA. And so we've also designed to be extensible enough to meet their more advanced use cases. That Goldman Sachs example that I mentioned uh, that they presented today at the CloudSec conference, you know, they have done uh, some additional work to customize it, to build out the automated remediation functions uh, using Lambdas and step functions and CloudWatch event rules. So it does have that extensibility, but you can get value just with the, the base packages as well. It definitely sounds like something something in it for everyone. Eli, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and shedding some light on this very important topic. Cool. Thanks for having me. And thanks for listening. We do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do that. And until next time, keep on building.